2: My name is Walker Wildman, and you're listening to American Family Radio. Our website is AFR.net. AFR.net, very simple to remember. AFR.net, you can keep up with us on the web. You can also download the American Family Radio app. It's a great way to keep up with AFR, to listen to all of our great content. Just download the AFR app. It's completely free. Once you download it, you can listen on your phone, on your tablet device. Lastly, you can always find us on your desktop computer for those who still have desktop computers or even your your laptop you can just go to our website AFR.net and listen live and catch past shows. We typically keep at least a 30 day a 30day archive of, of recent shows. Some shows like mine have a little bit more archived because I only record once a week but nonetheless you can get basically uh, at least several weeks worth of content there on American family Radio's website AFR.net We have our uh, spring sherathon coming up here in a couple weeks in mid-april we have our spring charathon coming up so stay tuned for that and uh, stay tuned for that and uh, and what we'll be doing there with our spring charathon here on American family Radio a lot of exciting things going on Last week I want to address a few things last week, I, uh, the, the, the title of my show was, uh, is the, is the, is the coronavirus as bad as the media says it is? That was basically the topic of my show last week. And I got some feedback on that, uh, on my show and how I handled it. And I will, I will say to a certain extent, I think that, um, maybe i came off as downplaying the seriousness of the coronavirus and the effect that it has on some people who are elderly or who have compromised immune systems so um i could see how how that that was taken that way so uh, just to just to clarify my purpose the purpose in my show last week was to basically let everyone know that we just need to calm down. Um, I mentioned something to the extent that this is a flu-like illness, and that is that is mostly true. It is it is um, a little more serious, if you will, or a little more. Uh, the mortality rate and the infection rate is obviously a little bit higher than the flu. So, but the symptoms oftentimes are very similar. So that's what that's what that meant. Um, but nonetheless, I think I think obviously the This uh, situation with the virus, the coronavirus from Wuhan, China, it is obviously a a very fast-developing situation. I mean, we know more now than we did last week. So I think the more we learn about this and the more we listen to people who know what they're talking about, this is obviously something to, to take precautions about. It's not something to panic over, like I said last week. But it is something that we should should keep an eye on, stay informed of what's going on, and just take your everyday precautions that, honestly, we should be taking these precautions. We should be taking them 12 months out of the year. This Things like washing your hands, not touching your face, those are things we oftentimes forget because we live in such a uh, a clean country, if you will, compared to other places and the quality of life is so good but nonetheless i mean th- things like washing your hands i mean that that should be done all the time whether we have a virus going around or not that should be done 365 days out of the year so uh, nothing new there but i want to transition and just break this thing down i'm not going to get in in into the into the the chinese coronavirus and and try to act like I'm a doctor, because I'm not. But I'm just going to talk about the politics of this and what's been going on in Washington, D.C., how it affects your life, so on and so forth. The first thing I want to talk about is what this this situation has revealed uh, to America. And, and many people already knew this, but this is bringing to light, if you will, a situation on how much we rely on China. And we've talked about this in weeks past, but this week, Senator Marco Rubio, well, earlier this week, President Trump went to the U.S. Capitol and met with uh, some senators. One of the senators, Marco Rubio, brought up the issue uh, of how much America relies on China for antibiotics and other pharmaceutical drugs, other prescription drugs, uh, some even over-the-counter drugs, how much America relies on China for these drugs. And the, the supply chain for some of these have has obviously been disrupted with this virus. But let's listen to clip one. This is Senator Marco Rubio on how much America's medical uh, uh, field relies on Chinese drugs. Let's listen.
0: Here's what we do know. About 80% of the active ingredients, you know, the different components of a drug, about 80% of those come from abroad, and the overwhelming majority of that 80% are manufactured in China. So the drug may ultimately be assembled here, but all the components of it we rely on China for it. So just as an example, a few years ago, there was an explosion at a laboratory in China, and it disrupted the global supply of certain antibiotics. So these are not just COVID-19, you know, coronavirus drugs we're talking about here. We're talking about things people use on a daily basis, especially generics, and that is because we allowed offshoring. For years, we you know the market basically said, well, it's cheaper to make it over there. Let's make it over there. It's more profitable for the companies. So not only did we lose those jobs in the United States, we lost this capacity. And now we don't know if there are going to be shortages. We anticipate there will be in certain drugs because those factories have been shut down because of the virus.
2: Well, there you have it. Senator Marco Rubio, there explaining the situation. And what he basically said is a vast majority, the people you know the the percentages vary but you get the idea the vast majority of americas drugs health drugs that are used for healthcare purposes the ingredients are produced in china which is a major issue and how we've gotten to the point where this issue has not been addressed is is disappointing, to say the least. And I don't think it's fair to Monday morning quarterback and start name-calling and blaming people and Democrat, Republican, blah, 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 because, listen, as, as I say about other issues, this is a multi-party issue. This is not just a Democrat or Republican issue. Because when you look at our country, we've been controlled by both parties, Republican, Democrat. It's rotated over the past 10 to 20 years. And none of them have have obviously taken action on this vulnerability. It has remained outstanding. And even under the Trump administration, obviously, this was not taken care of the heavy reliance on china for our pharmaceutical ingredients it looks like president trump is going to do an executive order this week which i really think it should be done legislatively in my opinion i think that congress should act on this now i think we need legislation legislation is way more impactful that's what our founders intended, is for Congress to make law. I think Congress needs to act on this to bring the production in these of these uh, drugs and the ingredients, the, ma- the, the manufacturing of these ingredients, back to America. At a minimum, bring it back to North America, Canada, Mexico. And here's what the Chinese government is doing now. The Chinese government, through their state-run media, they are literally threatening America. They are threatening to withhold these ingredients for these drugs. They are threatening to withhold them from America. Here's specifically what the Chinese-run, state-run media said. The article uh, posted by the state-run media claimed that China could, this is a quote here, China could, quote, impose pharmaceutical export controls, basically not export these ingredients to America, which would plunge America into the mighty sea of coronavirus. Going on in this article from Fox News, the disturbing threats made made during a a global pandemic, as well as the scary consequences of that threat, becomes a real highlight, but uh, really highlights just how tight China's grip is on the global supply chain when it comes to pharmaceutical drugs. That is a huge issue. Maybe an executive order is, is a faster way to do this in the short term, but in the long term, we need Congress to act on this, and we need uh, the, our, our drug supply chain is a, is a direct national security issue, just like our energy production, which we are now 100% energy efficient. Our energy independent rather, where we have excess supplies of oil and natural gas, et cetera, where we don't rely on Middle Eastern countries to send us oil. We are actually exporting oil to other countries. The same needs to be done with our supply chain, our pharmaceutical supply chain. Same thing with equipment, masks, gloves, all of that needs to be produced. The vast majority of it needs to be, be produced in America. And from a business standpoint, I understand why some of these countries are, are offshoring the production of this stuff because it, it increases their margin, their profit margin. But at the end of the day, not everything is about profit margin. Yes, you have to keep your business solvent. You have to you know, keep the revenue coming in, keep the profits coming in to keep things up and running. But also, you have to consider, as an American company, you have to consider national security. And these companies obviously haven't done that, and neither has our government made it a top priority. Shifting gears a little bit, but staying on a similar note, uh, the Mayo Clinic announced just this week that they have developed a coronavirus test to, quote, help ease some of the burden on the CDC, Center for Disease Control. The reason I bring this up is because it can't be emphasized enough how important the private sector is during situations like this and others. You know, during situations like this where people are concerned, it is easy for politicians and political leaders to step in and say that the government is the solution. But as we know, the government is not the solution to the vast majority of the issues that we face. The private sector can handle, oftentimes in a much better fashion, many of the issues that we face, not just with this current situation, but with even other situations. The private sector oftentimes is much more efficient at getting things done and getting things done right. And the Mayo Clinic proves that. They uh, apparently have a coronavirus test kit ready and available for production, so we'll see where that goes. Speaking of government, um, government intervention. Uh, Washington D.C. Uh, our, our leaders are debating what is the best way to offset some of the financial impact of this virus, the coronavirus, and the spread it is having. Are the disruption, rather, it is is a, it is having on the on the world supply chain, and the American uh, economy. And basically, here's here's the two viewpoints. The Democrats want a one hundred percent government solution, meaning they want basically a big, big funding bill that bails out, um, certain businesses and corporations, etc which some of that might be necessary. But here's what President Trump wants. President Trump wants a payroll tax cut. Here's his tweet or his statement from late uh, this past week. Here's President Trump's statement. If you want to get money into the hands of people quickly and efficiently, let them have the full money that they earned. A, approve a payroll tax cut until the end of the year December 31st then you're doing something that is really meaningful only that will make a big difference and i agree 100% with president trump if the if congress is going to do something which they obviously are then we don't need this massive spending bill where the government is responsible for doling out the money, why? Because oftentimes that money gets put in special interest pockets that has nothing to do with the actual issue at hand. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But a payroll tax cut takes out a payroll tax cut takes out all the bureaucrats, takes out the bureaucracy, and this whole lengthy approval process and the vetting process to make sure we're not misusing this money. The payroll tax cuts, payroll tax cut lets Americans keep their own money. Let's remember this, folks. This is our money. This is not the government's money. The money that you make, that you earn from your work, from your labor, it's your money. Yes, we pay taxes. That's the law. But by doing a payroll tax cut, it is only letting Americans keep more of their own money. So we should, Congress should definitely do it. If they're going to do anything, they should do a payroll tax cut. It is a much more, as President Trump said, a much more efficient way to to let Americans keep their own money, Americans' money, instead of filtering it through Washington, D.C., and letting all the bureaucrats and red tape get a hold of our money. transitioning about how the the Democrats and the media have absolutely politicized this situation in Washington, D.C., I want to play clip two here. This is Jim Acosta. This is shameful. He's on CNN with Chris Cuomo. And yes, he's politicizing the coronavirus, and he's using it to accuse Trump of being xenophobic. Let's listen to clip two.
1: The other thing, Chris, that I think we should point out, at one point during this address, uh, the president referred to the coronavirus as a, quote, foreign virus. Uh, That that I think was interesting because, as I was talking to sources earlier this evening, one of the points that the president wanted to make tonight, wanted to get across to Americans, is that this virus did not start here, uh, but that they're dealing with it. Now, why the president would uh, go as far as to describe it as a foreign virus, that is something we'll also be asking Mm -hmm. questions about. But it, it should be pointed out that Stephen Miller... Uh, who is a, an immigration hardliner? Who advises the president is uh, one of his top domestic policy advisors and speechwriters. Right. Uh, was a driving force in writing the speech, and I right. think it's going to smack. Uh, it's going to come across to a lot of Americans as spacking of uh, xenophobia.
2: Well, there you heard it from Jim Acosta himself, that issuing certain travel bans and calling this virus by name where it's from is quote xenophobic this is absolutely ridiculous this is unbelievable these people have no shame and they're parroting chinese state propaganda the chinese government is upset they're angry because america and the world is calling this virus by where it originated the chinese coronavirus are the Wuhan coronavirus, which, if you look historically, all of these outbreaks are called the name that medical professionals and experts decide to call it is based on where it came from. Ebola has to do with where it originated and the, the, a river called Ebola River, I believe. The same thing with. With the vast majority of all of the other outbreaks, how uh, uh, the medical professionals name these outbreaks is based on where they're from. So calling this the Wuhan coronavirus or the Chinese coronavirus falls in line with how these have historically been named. And what the media wants you to do and what the Chinese government wants us to do is to forget where this thing came from. And you know why they want us to do that? Because they want us to they, they want us to forget where this came from because they don't want us asking questions about why it came from China, which I think is actually a fair question. People aren't talking about this now because we're too busy trying to get this thing under control. But at some point, we need to find out exactly where this came from. Because the whole idea that this came from a chi- that, that this came from Wuhan, China and it came from a seafood market, that theory has
0: been debunked. And so we don't know where this came from.
2: And I'm not buying the garbage where the Chinese state-run media is saying that, that the U.S. Army imported this virus into China. We've got to remember, folks, that the Chinese government is one of the most secretive lying governments in the world. And they're one of the most corrupt governments in the world. So the propaganda they're putting out, we absolutely cannot trust. Back to Washington, D.C., one thing I wanted to mention is that this is absolutely absurd. I don't even know how to explain this in words. Listen to this headline. White House officials claim that Nancy Pelosi tried to put Hyatt Amendment, quote, slush fund loophole in the coronavirus stimulus bill. What are we talking about here? We're talking about the Democrats, basically, in layman's terms, in layman terms, the Democrats here putting government-funded baby killing in a coronavirus bill. No joke. The initial draft of this stimulus bill created a baby-killing slush fund. This is my terminology, which it's accurate terminology. The Democrats put a slush fund that would give money to abortion providers are baby-killing mills. No joke. The Democrats ended up pulling this language after being caught out about it, but think about how sneaky that is, how conniving that is, that the Democrats tried to fund their baby-killing mill, Planned Parenthood and others, using a bill that had absolutely nothing to do with that issue. But the media is not going to call them out on that. I want to play clip three here. This is uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick over in Texas, the state of Texas. And he's giving this analogy about, about the coronavirus and the measures that are being taken, sometimes extreme measures that are being taken to prevent the spread of this. He provides a good analogy here. Uh, that really helps, uh, I think, our listeners understand the the purpose behind such limitations. Clip three, let's listen. Is he put
1: together a coalition of business leaders, whether they own an NBA team, or they own a concert venue, um, or they're putting on a rodeo. He was able to gather business leaders because he talks their language and his team, and convince them to do what Italy didn't do and that no other country has done. And that's begin to shut down these big events so that the virus cannot spread and peak To a point that is going to create the crisis that you've been talking about Mm -hmm. in the beginning of the show. The whole point of shutting down every venue, I mean, think of it. There's not going to be a ball game live on television. Many schools are closing. We closed down the rodeo that has 70,000 people a night for the next 12 nights. And the reason for that, Shannon, is we cannot have a peak of this virus hitting hundreds of thousands or millions of people at one time. That would create a problem Mm -hmm. for our medical uh, situation everywhere. What we're trying to do, think of it this way, Shannon, if 10,000 people broke their leg at one time, not even the finest hospital centers in the world could set every leg at Mm -hmm. one moment. What we don't want is to have millions of people come in for a test at the same time. So by closing down all these events, which no one else has done in the world, we want to spread this out over the long period. So as uh, our people receive the virus, we're able to handle it in a way that I know we will in Texas and I believe we will in America.
2: Well, there you have it. That's Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick on Fox News talking about the purpose behind limiting these large gatherings. And the the leg break analogy is actually very simple to understand. And as he said there, you know, if you have 10,000 people or a th- even a thousand people come into a hospital with a broken leg, it's going to overwhelm the system. Same thing could be said about this virus if you have thousand people coming at the same time to get tested with the virus, it's going to cause chaos and overwhelm the system. So the goal here, and this is what the CDC and Dr. Fauci at the NIH have said multiple times, and that is the goal here, while yes, these measures are extreme, some of them unprecedented, the goal here is to spread this thing out to minimize the damage so that our our healthcare system, which is actually a very good healthcare system, so that our healthcare system can handle uh, the load, the patient load. And now is not the time, you know. This is so this is unbelievable, but you know Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, and others they're they're trying to and Alexandria Ocasio Cortez they're trying to call for Medicare for all. This is the time for Medicare for all. This is the time for the government to step up and and. Yes, the government has the primary responsibility to protect its citizens. But the government is not the end-all, be-all. And we have to be careful about, during situations like this, we have to be careful not to say, oh, yeah, 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 the government's going to fix it. The government's going to fix it. Because that is not the solution. As I mentioned earlier, the vast majority... Of, of, of groups and, and entities that are actually making headway in these type of situations are private entities because they have an innovative uh, setting. They have a, a, a large array of resources and money. And yes, sometimes these companies will capitalize on the crisis to make money But the private sector is very good at fixing issues. That's what America has done for decades, is use the private sector to solve everyday problems. So we need to focus on that and not get caught up in relying all on the government. Because those who like big government will take advantage of that and expand their government power, which we don't need. Exposing Washington American Family Radio. Glad to have you with us today. Keep up with AFR at our website, AFR.net. We'll see you next week.
1: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily
0: reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.